0: phone notebook Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, February 15th. We begin with the latest on the trucker protest in Ottawa. We catch up with Abigail Beeman, Global News Ottawa correspondent, for an update, including the Prime Minister's announcement on Monday that he has triggered the Emergencies Act.
1: Then we continue our conversation surrounding the Emergencies Act. We hear details of what this means in terms of the extension of power for authorities and whether the move could have negative political consequences for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We discuss with Laurie Williams, political scientist, Science professor at
0: Mount Royal University. Next, we get an update on the border protest here in Alberta at the Coots border crossing. We speak with the mayor of Coots, Jim Willett, who tells us that all signs point to the current protest in the region could, in fact, be coming to an end. And finally,
1: with COVID restrictions easing, many people are eager to return to traveling. We catch up with the travel lady, Leslie Cater, for what you need to know before you plan your trip to just how long we can expect deals to be hanging around for on both flights and vacation packages.
0: From enacting the Emergencies Act to increase support for the crisis in Ukraine. It was a busy day in our nation's capital. With details on everything that unfolded yesterday afternoon, everything you need to know, we are joined by Global News Ottawa correspondent, Abigail Beeman. Good morning to you, Abigail. Oh, apparently they're just. We
1: just lost. We we had Abigail. We've lost her. Is it something
0: I said? Oh. Okay. Okay. We're going to get it together here. Uh, But nevertheless. It is something you said, Andy. It it happens a lot. Good morning to you, Abigail.
2: (laughs) Am I here? Am I here? We've got you now. Can can you hear me now? Okay, great. Um, I can hear you now. I'm not sure (laughs) if you
0: heard the big setup there, Abigail. Such a busy time. And uh, let's start with the the latest news, which is the major move by the Prime Minister, triggering the Emergencies Act. Can you break down exactly what this means and and, and what changes we'll see when the Emergencies Act has been enacted? Yeah. So
2: there are a lot of pieces to this, the prime minister saying that it has become clear that there are significant challenges for law enforcement to be able to do their job uh, w- with these protests. What the prime minister, protests the prime minister calls uh, an illegal occupation, uh, and so one of the major parts of, of invoking the emergency act is uh, uh, giving police more powers for enforcement, uh, including RCMP who would be able to carry out or, or enforce municipal bylaws and municipal laws. So the policing aspect uh, is one part of this. Uh, uh, um, especially policing in areas where the government has deemed this to be you know, an illegal occupation uh, or illegal to, to gather. Another portion of this that's important is the government will be able to direct tow companies to actually tow some of these vehicles. And that's something that has been a big challenge. The city of Ottawa saying uh, that they uh, uh, had, have had trouble getting tow companies mm-hmm. to agree uh, to actually to move these cars away. Uh, and the third component, and there's you know, a lot here and a lot of ground to cover but a third important piece which you know many people many national security experts are saying the most important piece are the financial consequences financial components here uh christopher freeland yesterday saying this is about following the money and that has to do with both uh freezing or uh, affecting bank accounts of individuals who are involved and companies of of, of a of trucks that are involved, uh, as well as going after uh, uh, people who are, are funding this and, and requiring crowdfunding uh, platforms to register with Fintrack. Uh, and there are many who believe that, you know, the devil could be in those details there in terms of that actually having an impact.
1: Let's also talk a little bit about, Abigail, the parameters, because uh, dates were certainly really important when the Prime Minister broke mm-hmm. it all down. And the fact specifically, the military will not be used against Canadians.
2: Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad you made that point. There are a lot of people who are who believe that this was not the right move, the emergent that that this was that the threshold has not been met for invoking the Emergencies Act. Uh, the Prime Minister, you know, speaking to that and saying that this that he does not plan to call in the military. He had previously last week talked about how that was, uh, you know, the last thing that he wanted to do. Uh, so he says that he is not going to. That this is not about bringing in the military, and it's also not infringing on civil liberties. Uh, saying that it, you know it doesn't uh, it doesn't. Uh, include somebody's ability to, to, to protest peacefully. We'll see, you know, how this actually rolls out because, of course, as you know, these protesters say that they are here peacefully uh, and that it is a peaceful protest. The, the Prime Minister says it's an illegal occupation. So uh, we, we will see about those details, but but it's an important point that you raised that there has been some pushback, and we can talk more about that in, in terms of provincial support or what happens in the House, uh, but the Prime Minister saying that this is not about bringing in the military or encroaching on civil liberties.
0: Abigail, is is this you know on the go as of today? Are there still some votes surrounding it? When? uh, What? What about the timing? Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. So the timing. So so when an emergency act is triggered, it is triggered for 30 days. First of all, so it is time limited. Uh, The government also saying yesterday that it would be geographically. Targeted, although they didn't give you know specifics there about how that would work, but uh, time limited to 30 days, and there needs to be a vote. So uh, the Prime Minister has the ability to, to call, to trigger this Emergencies Act, but then there has to be a vote uh, in, in the seven days afterwards, so we will waiting to see on, on timing of that. Uh, we know that the NDP appear to be on side with this move. The Conservatives saying last night they need more time to look at the details, but that in general they're concerned that the Prime Minister is inflaming things, Uh, rather than calming things down. Uh, And so we'll see, you know, what their decision is on a vote there. Also, the Senate has to vote as well. I'm not clear, uh, you know, where the Senate lies uh, on on this either. If the government wants to End, that 30-day period, uh, then there needs to be another vote as well. So there are some checks and balances. Uh, the Prime Minister also had to uh, talk to Premiers before uh, calling it yesterday, which he did uh, Monday morning, and we had we saw uh, Ontario Premier Doug Ford uh, strongly in support of this move, but then we saw a number of other Premiers push back uh, against it, feeling that, that this was not the right move or that they didn't want it to apply in their province so uh, lots of discussion and, and 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 several different opinions
1: you know and on that note obviously uh, jason kenney was one of the premiers who really was not in favor of this and being used in alberta if, if they were to enact it in the province of alberta what does it actually look like on the ground i mean what does that what does that mean
2: yeah and, and that that's an that's an important question too I mean the, the the powers that that the prime minister have have outlined are uh in there but he did not go so far as to as to talk about um you know the the geographic specifics or the regional targeting and you heard Jason Kenny's comments about you know not wanting to it, to apply there so I think we still need to wait and see uh the prime minister talking about you know border crossings and blockades and and, and making sure uh that uh that that that's there is an end to that situation uh whether that's needed in in other parts of the country in addition to ottawa uh we'll we'll see how it unfolds
0: all right let's switch gears and talk about the announcement yesterday regarding support for the ukraine what is the latest as far as support coming from canada
2: that's right. So part of uh, the Prime Minister's announcement yesterday, I I, I don't want to say buried in there, but a lot of the attention was obviously on uh, the Emergencies Act. Uh, but for the first time, uh, the Prime Minister uh, is saying that Canada will send uh, lethal equipment and ammunition to Ukraine, something that uh, Canada had not yet done so far. And there have been a lot of questions about when and how and, what and when this would happen. But Prime Minister saying yesterday that uh, he has approved uh, $7.8 million worth of lethal equipment uh, and ammunition. That's, of course, responding to uh, Ukraine's uh, specific request uh, and uh, and with the goal of uh,
1: of deterring Russia. So we'll, we'll be watching that story as well. Important update. Thanks for breaking it down for us, Abigail. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Abigail Beeman, Global
0: News, Ottawa correspondent. Yes, as you've heard in the news uh, yesterday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made a move to bring an end to the protests against COVID mandates as well as border blockades by enacting the Emergencies Act. But will there be political consequences from this move toward the liberal government and, of course, toward Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? With Insight, we're joined by Laurie Williams, political science professor at Mount Royal University. Good morning to you, Professor Williams. Good morning, Andy. Let's talk about this. Uh, is there any indication historically of, of a backlash and uh, negative consequences uh, by this decision by uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? Well,
3: there's certain, certainly going to be criticism. And, and then the question will be whether the government is able to justify sort uh, invoking or taking on such such large powers in response to this particular situation. Given that the border conflicts um, appear, at least for the moment, to have have uh, diminished, um, and the only real concern that, that seems to be at least at this very moment urgent is the situation in, in Ottawa. Now, again, this, these are temporary measures. They They do have to account to Parliament. Parliament can revoke their approval of this at any point. Um, but it is a, a, an extraordinary assumption of powers, for sure.
1: Laurie, I mean, part of the protesting appears to be really in opposition to government overreach from the start. So what message does this send to demonstrators? I mean, you're not going to likely please that group anyway, but does it, does it make happy the rest of Canadians who felt that these protests were too much? Well, I think that's that's what the government is well a number of things. The government is looking at, but one of the things is that um,
3: there is about seventy five percent of Canadians think that that some of the protesters are infringing on the the Charter rights and freedoms, if you like, of of uh, of other Canadians. That they've gone too far. That they are championing their freedom at the expense of the freedom of others, and and that I think is where they're saying, well, that and the, the international pressure, I would say, as well. Um, the intransigence of those who are in, in place—all of those things led them to think that something had to happen. And, you know, politically speaking, it's almost as though they're they're signaling this is what they're willing to do, in the hope that that will um, at least cause some to break off from from the uh, the protests and allow them to move in against others.
0: We've been uh, focusing on uh, this aspect of the announcement yesterday about the Emergencies Act. And something that we've learned is obviously that it, you know, was launched in 1988, replacing the War Measures Act. And I'm wondering if you can break down for us, because 88 was a few years ago. Is this basically the same act under a different name or what would be the biggest differences between the two?
3: There are a number of differences. Uh, the criticism of the War Measures Act, because it was invoked in 1970 in the FLQ crisis, uh, involved, you know, seizing, uh, arresting people, holding them without access to even a lawyer for up to 21 days. Um, so habeas corpus was suspended. Membership in the FLQ was retroactively made a crime. Um, so violations of the rule of law and established rights and freedoms in Canada was the the focus of criticism. Uh, and Tommy Douglas is fairly famous for speaking on the steps of the House or Parliament rather uh, to to say this is this is too much. And so once we got the Charter in 1982, um, basically they had to figure out a, a more Constrained law that would be charter compliant and and we saw the Prime Minister go to great lengths yesterday to say that charter rights and freedoms would not be be violated and indeed if they did um, that would have to be something that would be just have to be justified both in the short term before Parliament and potentially in the long term before the courts, so much more protection for charter rights but it is quite significant that this has not been invoked ever before and then the questions about whether it's necessary to invoke at this point to actually deal with the problems that that uh, we're facing
1: laurie does this harm trudeau politically speaking or i mean i guess you know that's looking into the the crystal ball but you know those who again weren't in support still won't be but does this maybe push some people over to the liberal side
3: uh, I think, well, again, given those numbers of people that think the protesters have gone too far, there's there's likely to be support if it's effective. So I think the biggest risk is if this uh, um, this assumption of powers is taken, but it doesn't help mm. to deal with the problems that we're dealing with. That That is certainly a, a significant risk. I think a number of political figures are, are in a position um, of risk here, depending on how they situate themselves to, uh, with respect to the protesters and how they respond. To them, uh, and of course, we've seen some of the statements made by a number of politicians boomerang back on them. Interestingly, the only one who doesn't yet seem to have been hurt at all by by this crisis is uh, is Doug Ford.
0: Hmm. Interesting times, so and yeah. we appreciate uh, your clarification and your time this morning, Laurie. Thank you. That is Laurie Williams, political science professor at Mount Royal University. Well, 13 arrests were made at the Coots border crossing on Monday. RCMP sees more than a dozen long guns, handguns, ammunition, and body armor. With details on the current situation in Coots, we're joined by the mayor of Coots, Jim Willett. Good morning to you, Mayor Willett. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time with us. So, we, uh, you just chronicled exactly, you know, what went down yesterday. What can you tell us about the current situation? What are you seeing and hearing this morning? Are vehicles getting through the border crossing?
4: Uh, the, well, oh, CBSA still has the border closed as far as I know. The port is closed coming north. Uh, I'm not aware of any traffic going south, although we did see a truck go by here, and I haven't heard from the U.S. as far as I know. They went on in. So U.S. side, as far as I know, was kept open, uh, even though nobody was going through. Uh the highway, there's a lane of, uh, well shoulder full of uh, trucks right now uh, both all four lanes of the highway are, are open and uh, most of the farm equipment that was parked on the highway is now parked along one of the streets uh, off on the uh, the property right beside the street looks like a farm uh, Farm implement store. Mm. <laughs> you, mm. you want to buy a tractor? I got a deal for you. But,
1: uh, <laughs> Mayor, did, did you did you feel the RCMP acted quickly enough for your liking to end the demonstrations and at least to get traffic flowing through there?
4: I think so. Knowing what we know now, they they had a criminal investigation going on, and uh, that's. Explain some of the reason why we were treated like we were on a crime scene. There was stuff going on that we weren't aware of. And, uh, so that slowed their, their timetable down. I, I think I'm not a, I'm not a uh, policeman, nor do I have a whole lot of uh, insight into that. I got a briefing once a day like everybody else, but, uh, from what they tell me, that was part of the reason they didn't want to stir up the little nest of uh, people that were here mm-hmm. uh, prematurely.
0: All right. And, you know, with this stirring up yesterday to a certain extent uh, by RCMP this time with the arrests and the seizures, uh, you know, of the, uh, you know, handguns and ammunition, et cetera, uh, we had heard that a lot of the People who were there originally said, you know, uh, we, we didn't want to be part of this. We wanted to, to have our voices heard, so they started to, to leave. Are you getting the sense that things are starting to cool down? Could this be the beginning of the end?
4: Uh, this particular blockade and demonstration, I believe so. They've said they're going to leave this morning around 10 o'clock. And uh, from what I've seen, I sit across from the motel in town, and uh, there have been people who were staying there during the occupation there now have all emptied their rooms, loaded up their vehicles, and headed back up to smugglers, which is uh, where their headquarters is. From talking to uh, people involved, uh, this this particular scene that they arrested the people on was a private residence, and uh, a couple of RVs had been uh, pulled in there and were uh, using the... The yard to park in. I'm not even sure if the owner of the property knew what was going on, mm-hmm. but uh, it was it was not really associated with the guys uh, that pulled in the, to do the original uh, blockade. So, so what they've said is very true. That that shook everybody up. I think.
1: Yeah, uh, Mayor. Any concern from you and and the folks in town that you know demonstrators could be back and and maybe even set up further blockades later on.
4: <laughs> yep, <laughs> just, that's that's my personal opinion. Is uh, now that it's happened once, well, it's going to be uh, interesting what the governments the governments do to uh, assure that it doesn't happen again. So uh, you know, once people get an idea in their heads, well, they tend to repeat it until they're discouraged so uh no i i have no illusions that uh, this is the last of it i know the people that uh, that started the demonstrations and protests uh are still determined they don't believe they've gotten what they uh, asked for yet and so they're going to carry on with their uh, their protest uh, We'll just have to see what's next.
0: Well, then hopefully things get back to normal for coots uh, sooner rather than later. We appreciate your time, Mayor Willett.
4: Well, thank you. you. You have a good day.
0: You too. That is Jim Willett, the mayor of Coots, Alberta. With his thoughts, he says, it looks like by 10 a.m. perhaps, holding out hope that they're going to be moving on out.
1: To travel or not to travel? That is the question. Before you plan your trip, you will need the latest news and the advice of our friend Leslie Cater, the travel lady. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Sue. Great to have you back. You know, and as provinces start to lift some of these mandates, are you starting to hear from more and more people who feel like they're feeling better about traveling again? Uh, We are indeed. I mean, inquiries have definitely
5: ramped up, and, and we've all been busy in the office looking at this two kinds of people, really, that we're hearing from. Those who are anxious to travel and they just want to go, whatever. And there's other people who are talking about travel plans, but just waiting a little bit longer until maybe some restrictions are lifted and they feel a bit
0: more comfortable. It's interesting because Sue and I were talking about this, you know, off mic yesterday in the office, and it it looks like there's a lot of great deals right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, but wondering mm-hmm. that, that catch-22, Leslie, we're, we're not exactly sure where we'll be restriction-wise in a few months, but we'd hate to miss a good deal. So what are you seeing and, and, and how long mm-hmm. do you see these deals lasting for?
5: Right, yes, we've seen some amazing domestic airfares for sure and even going across to Europe. Uh, but here we're dealing with the old supply and demand situation. If the planes are half empty, the airlines are going to offer seat sales, they want to get bums in seats, as they say. Um, But once the planes start filling up, then I would imagine the seat sales will drop off. But here's the other side to it. When the planes fill up, they're going to reinstate more routes, they're going to bring more staff back and therefore we might get a little honeymoon period of more seat sales. Mm. So it's going to be going up and down, but definitely the urge to travel is increasing.
1: What does it mean with the lifting of the QR codes for us, particularly here in Alberta? Do we still need that to fly, even domestically? What if the province pulls it? What do we do? How are you answering mm-hmm. that one? Well, you know, that was so confusing to many of us in the
5: industry And I dug into that a little bit deeper and um, just to be on the safe side, when they said they were closing down the QR code, I went in and printed out my vaccination record with the QR code just in case they do discontinue it. But as I understand it, what they are discontinuing is the app to read the QR code, Ah. because this is what restaurants and facilities have been using to scan people's vaccination certificates so that they can come into the venue So that is what is being discontinued at the moment. I cannot see the uh, vaccination QR code being discontinued because, yes, indeed, we may need to show that at various places where we're traveling to. So it's all in flux
0: at the moment. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And being in flux, I'm wondering where we're at with uh, refund policies and returns and credits within the major uh, air carriers and uh, travel companies. Are they still very much in place? Understanding that people want some kind of an insurance and some kind of a backup?
5: Right, exactly, and, and we had a, an exact situation of that somebody was supposed to leave on Monday, and Sunday uh, had a positive test uh, so that they couldn't fly. So <laughs> we had a dreadful weekend, being hours and hours on hold, my consultant and myself, eventually getting through to WestJet. Money was put back into a travel credit. So now this particular client wants to travel again, so that's no hardship. But if, say, for example, you can't travel again and you've got this money tied up in a travel fund, well, it's it's not really much use.
1: But we do... Sorry, Sue. Go ahead. No, I just I was going to say, lots, still lots of questions, as you said, and and really, best bet is is to call somebody like you if you have any questions. If anybody knows the answers, <laughs> you may not have them immediately, but you'll certainly yep. you have the resources to find them, right? We do indeed, Sue. We hey, do our best. <laughs> you, you do, and you do a great job for us. Thank you so much for joining us, Leslie. Thank you, Sue. Leslie Cater, the Travel Lady, the and
0: at the Travel Lady. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast.